The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Thanks for joining me tonight. We have a great show lined up for you. I'd like to thank everyone who is listening to this program as a download. Um, we don't often talk about that, but it is a great way to listen to the show, especially if you can't uh, keep the night hours that we keep when we do this show live. But I'd also like to invite you to come and check us out live so you can join the conversation by phoning in or joining the chat room, um, just being a participant in that. And if you can't do that, it's it's understandable because it is an, it is an unusual hour for a lot of people. Um, then just join us on Facebook and leave your comments there about our programs. Uh, stop at Facebook dot com slash beyond reality radio uh yeah we we have a great show lined up for you tonight we're going to be talking about some uh very interesting things that would be found in the haunted universe and when we say haunted universe we're talking about a universe full of strange very odd things not just hauntings in the sense of ghosts but all sorts of things uh mac maloney will be our guest tonight He's a UFO author, and his new book is called Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe, and it's a collection of strange stories from around the world. Uh, Mac has also written about uh, UFO sightings and uh, experimentation, um, also uh, UFOs in wartime and uh, beyond Area 51. Plus, he's got a whole bunch of fiction uh, to his credit as well. Very accomplished writer. So Mac will be our guest tonight. Looking forward to that. Also looking forward to having Jason back with us. Hopefully that'll happen um, by Monday. Um, Tomorrow night we're going to be talking about the Men in Black on the program. You might want to write this down because I don't think we've had an opportunity to have a conversation about the Men in Black specifically with somebody who knows what they're talking about because they were one of the Men in Black. Jason Brown will be our guest tomorrow night. He's going to talk about his experiences being in the Men in Black, the training that's involved, and also the time travel that was involved. That's tomorrow night's program right here on Beyond Reality Radio. And then Thursday, another outstanding show for you all. Well, <laughs> I just said that. I didn't really mean the pun, but Todd Standing will be our guest tomorrow night. He's a Sasquatch researcher. And if you've seen... Uh, the documentary that was on Netflix, I'm not sure it's still there. It might be. Um, I haven't checked recently, but I did watch it a while ago. Uh, it's about Bigfoot, and it's about his efforts to uh, document Bigfoot activity. He He's taken some very, very um, um, influential and what I would consider to be educated people into the woods uh, to hunt for Bigfoot, and he's shown them evidence. Plus, he's caught some things that are very, very telling on camera. So Todd Standing will be his be our guest on Thursday night's program, and our discussion will be all about his research into the Bigfoot phenomenon. And we'll ask him about the controversial footage that's in his um, documentary to see what uh, you know what he has to say about it. It's pretty amazing stuff. If you've had a chance to see it. Uh, you'll know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't, maybe you should check it out if you've got Netflix or I don't know. I'm sure you can find it other places as well. So again, Todd Standing on Thursday night. So as you can see, we've got a great week of programs uh, lined up for you. Stop by the Beyond Reality Radio website. And if you're looking for a gift for the hard-to-buy-for coworker, student, or teacher, or kids, or spouse, or whatever, the Beyond Reality Radio coffee mug has turned into a very good option. Uh, they're flying out of here, 
and uh, they make a great gift for anybody on your shopping list. And it's right on the webpage. You just have to go to beyondrealityradio.com, look for the mug, click on it. It's very easy. And uh, domestic shipping is included in the price. And um, if, you ha- if you're ordering from overseas, which we have had some overseas orders, you're just going to have to email us and we'll calculate shipping for you. So it's as simple as that. Anyway, we've got a great show lined up. As I said, Mac Maloney will be joining us in just a few moments. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll begin the discussion with UFO author Mac Maloney about his book called Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash Johaw. That's J-O-H-A-W. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're going to be talking with UFO author Mac Maloney. We're going to be talking about his new book. It's called Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe. It's a collection of very strange stories from around the world. Mac, welcome to be on Reality Radio. It's terrific to have you on with me tonight. Uh, thanks, JV. I'm glad to be here. So let's, uh, let's kind of take this back to the beginning. When did you become interested in, first of all, UFOs in general, but, you know, the stranger side of things, if you will? Wow. Well, you know, I uh, growing up as a kid, I, I read every UFO book I could get my hands on. And um, also, uh, my father was a World War II veteran, so he had a lot of military books around the house. So I used to read them, too. And somehow there was just this, uh, always this connection in my mind between, um, you know, UFOs, the military, and what the military might know about UFOs and so on. And then just, you know, I was able to uh, write about it. And, um, you know, I've been lucky enough to... Um, write three books about, you know, UFOs, paranormal, and so on. We're gonna so, talk- but, but I started really as a kid, I should say, to answer your question. Yeah, and when you started as a kid, did you start because you just you heard stories? Did you have an experience of your own? Did you happen to see something up in the sky one night? Um, you know, we've all got one of those stories, um, but what was it that really triggered it for you? Yeah, I, I wish I had one of those stories, but, but I, I don't. I've never seen a UFO or anything like that. I keep looking, but, you know, I haven't seen one, uh, not yet. But it was just, um, you know, just the, the era that I grew up in. You know, there were lots of um, flying saucer movies and flying saucer books, TV shows, and stuff. And it's really exciting, like as a you know, for a kid to kind of you know look into those kinds of uh, strange things. So, you know, I was hooked. I was hooked you know, early, and uh, I've just kind of you know kept it up all this time. We all, um, you know, are fascinated. At least most of us are fascinated when we look up at the stars. And, uh, you know, it's one thing to go from being curious to actually writing books that not only break some of this down for us, but go into some real depth and research some of these events, whether it's, uh, you know, things like the Roswell crash or, you know, maybe some lesser known uh, UFO sightings and incidents. Um, you know, you had to make a decision at some point to decide to write about it, too. And that that's never comes easy. But, uh, you know, you've written a lot. So maybe it did come a little bit easier for you. Well, you know, for most for the most part, I've written a fiction book. I, uh, fiction books, I write military fiction. Um, I write a series called Wingman, which is um, going to its, it's the 19th book is coming out very soon. So it's been around for a while. And I've been lucky to be able to do that. But you know, just one day I was having lunch with my editor a few years ago, and um I happened to mention to him what I just said. I said, you know, that, that I was always had an interest in UFOs, 
had an interest in the military, and, and it just seemed to me that UFOs showed up. Uh, people reported seeing more UFOs during wartime than in peacetime. And, you know, we just talked about that, and he said, well, you know, why don't you write a book about that? be a nonfiction book. So I said, okay, and that was a book called UFOs in Wartime, where I think we make a, a pretty good case just by the sheer number of stories that, you know, UFOs are spotted while you know, humanity is at war, let's say, through the ages, not just modern times, through the ages. You know, they seem to show up when we are in conflict with ourselves. So, you know, that was interesting, and then that kind of led to uh, another book called Beyond Area 51, and then that led to this new book, McMillan's Haunted Universe. We've talked on this program before about the connection between UFO sightings and wartime. Um it's an interesting connection. One of the questions I have as it relates to that is, does some of the fact that we're having more reports of unidentified flying objects come from the fact that during a wartime situation, we're actually just paying attention to the skies a little bit more? Yeah, that's, see, that's, that was my first thought, you know, and that could very well be it. It's just that, you know, especially, let's say, in the 20th century, when all of a sudden you added the element of flight, you know, to to war. Um, you know, more people were flying around up there. More people were looking up at the people flying around up there, and maybe that just gave people more opportunities to spot these things. But before, like, even we go back in that particular book, you know, we go back to the days of, like, um, uh, Alexander the Great, you know, who had scribes with him going on his uh, campaigns who, you know, reported that they would see flying shields, you know, uh, shooting uh, flaming arrows at you know, at, at Alexander's uh, cavalry and things like that. There's many accounts in the Bible. There's, you know, there was a, in Nuremberg, uh, Germany in the 1400s, there was what people could describe as a, just an aerial battle between two kinds of UFOs. And back then they actually had newspapers and they have the newspaper accounts of it. They have wood carvings of, of what could only be considered like a battle between two UFO, uh, two different kinds of UFOs. Um, the stuff has been going all the time. And, and for whatever reason, you know, the, the the whole idea of us being at war seems to attract more of these things than in peacetime. It, it's almost like they're here just to kind of watch us, you know, watch what we're doing to each other. Now, as you looked into this, um, and this this was your first book about UFOs, right? UFOs in wartime? This yes. was Yeah, the first one. Um, as you looked into this, uh, did you start to make come to the conclusion that these UFOs, which again, we have to remind folks, UFO simply means unidentified. We're not exactly sure what it is. But did you come to any conclusions as to what they were? Can you definitively say that some of these sightings were actually extraterrestrial craft? No, no. You know, and I don't think, to tell you the truth, I don't think anyone can really make that claim and be 100% sure of what they were saying. Um, you know, it, it actually, the research I've done actually took me in the opposite direction, and that is that. You know, let's just take the U.S. military, you know, for instance. It's obvious they know more than we do, okay? They have more evidence that, that there are UFOs, that UFOs exist. Uh, we know they do. We know we have, they have video and, and, and a film and, you know, who knows what else. But I don't believe that they know where they're from. I think they're just as much in the dark about it as, as we are. Uh, because I, I think, you know, for several reasons. You know, I think, you know, during the current situation right now and the current resident in the White House, I think that if there was some kind of briefing that he would have gotten, uh, you know, that, that tell us that UFOs are real, I think we would have heard about it by now. I don't think he's someone who would keep 
that to himself. Um, also, I don't see anything like, you know, people say there's, you know, re-engineered UFOs and all these different things have, you know, come from, you know, crashed spaceships and stuff. But I, I don't really see it, you know. I don't, I don't see all this, you know, wonderful technology that should have, you know, trickled down to us by now if we were re-engineering UFOs. So, again, I don't want to be the cold bucket of water here, <laughs> but, you know, that's just how I believe. Well, I think you're being very pragmatic about this, and I think a lot of people take that position as well. I mean, we've had folks on this show that say there's evidence of, of uh, uh, you know, reverse-engineered technology that has come from UFOs, and I'm still having a little bit of trouble understanding what that is, but some will claim that it's there. Um, you said that the, you know, we have to assume the military knows more than we do, and I think we do have to make that assumption. But, it, but and then the second part of that phrase was, yet you don't think they know what these things are. So basically, if they don't, nobody's going to at this point. Uh, right. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I think that, you know, the position that they've taken, and, and they took it a long time ago, back in the 50s, and they've, you know, stuck to it, uh, is that, you know, we don't view UFOs as, any, as being a security threat to the United States. Therefore, we don't investigate them. Now, we know that they did, in fact, investigate them through the 50s and the 60s, what a thing called Project Blue Book. And then they said, and, and that was no great, you know, think tank, right? I think it was like two or three people answering letters. Um, it wasn't an investigative body. And then they said that they went out of the Air Force, went out of the business of looking into UFOs in 1967. But we have found out since, especially with the release of what they call the Tic Tac uh, video from uh, last time last year, where U.S. Navy pilots took video of, you know, flying along something that looks like a, a UFO that's shaped like a Tic Tac. I mean, you know, they have this... They have these things. We know they have them. Gordon Cooper, the astronaut, is someone who actually you know, had film footage of a UFO landing at Edwards Air Force Base back in the 50s, sent it on to Pentagon, never saw it again. He went on to be one of the Mercury astronauts. So we know that they have the evidence, but as we were just saying, I, I, I don't see any evidence at all that, that they know where they come from because I, I don't think we'd be living in this kind of a world if, if, if they knew and if they had some kind of way to you know, cash in on their technology. And then we've got one more, I think, variable that has entered the equation in the last 10 years or so with real fervor, and that's drone technology. That's, that's changed everything as well and put a lot more things in the sky that right. are harder to identify. Right. See, that's the thing, too, is that it, um, you know, we talk to people um, all the time who are, you know, drone experts, and they say what's going to happen and what is happening, and actually what's been happening for quite a while you know, the U.S. Uh, military ha has been flying drones since the 1950s. And um, a lot of drones have flown over Vietnam. People don't, you know, really, you know, realize that. But, people, you know, what people have been seeing all these years, what some people have been seeing all these years are drones. And uh, now they're just more, you know, there's more of them and they're in civilian hands and so on. But back when they were strictly a military thing, that definitely, you know, accounts for a number of UFO sightings. And now, because... Uh, Skies are going to be, you know, at some point soon crowded with these things. People are going to be seeing everything, and it really is going to obscure, you know, real UFO sightings and kind of, you know, put us, you know, two or three steps back from, you know, really finding out what they were, what they are, uh, because as I say, the sky is going to be just full of stuff.
We're talking with Mac Maloney. He is a UFO author, and his new book is called Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe. We're going to continue the conversation. Uh, On the other side of the break, we will take your phone calls in the second hour of the program at 844-687-7669. It's Beyond Reality Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. It's Beyond Reality Radio. I'm J.V. Johnson. Stop by my Facebook page, just J.V. Johnson, or you can find it at J.V.J. Paranormal. Give it a like as well. Tonight, we're talking with Mac Maloney. He is a UFO author. His most recent book is called Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe. Um, He's got other books related to the UFO phenomenon, including UFOs in Wartime and Beyond Area 51. Mac, tell us about the new book, Haunted Universe. What made you decide to write it? Well, um, you know, it turns out that over the past four or five years, looking into, you know, researching the books for uh, the first two books that you mentioned, and also um, for a couple of years I worked for... um, Turner Broadcasting on their um, website called Conspiratorium, where we would come up with like 10 really kind of crazy stories every month and um, and do kind of visuals on them on the website. And uh, I was uh, helping in the research of that. So all this stuff kind of piled up in my office, all these just really weird, strange stories that I would, you know, put aside and collect. And um, and I've always been interested in things like that anyway. I mean, growing up, I used to read Ripley's Believe It or Not books, you know, from cover to cover. And I really liked that. And that's what this book kind of turned out to be. I just took all that kind of research uh, left over and compiled it into uh, just chapters of just like very strange things, you know, chapters on ghost planes, ghost ships and uh, military haunted battlefields and, you know, the world's worst spies and stuff like that. Just all this crazy stuff I had hanging around, I put it together. So this book extends beyond just the UFO phenomena. You look at uh, many, many different things, and I would say it's probably just a compendium of of the strange and the weird. Right. That's exactly what it is, you know, because, as I said, I grew up, you know, reading books like that. I always kind of like reading, you know, just, just, you know, just strange things that go on around us, and I think that, and there's more than 250 stories in it, and, and I think the idea is, you know, when you make it to the end that, you know, you, there's, there's no other conclusion than that we live in a very strange kind of reality, you know. Strange stuff happens all the time. People see strange stuff and happening all the time. They see strange things. And when you just read about them, you know, from beginning to end, you say, wow, this all this crazy stuff is going on. And, and we, we almost take it for granted in a way, you know, but... We do live in a strange reality. As you were collecting these stories, did you um, solicit them from people, or did you research them and find them in media accounts, all of the above? Where did the stories come from? Yeah, really all of the, all of the above, to tell you the truth. And, and it, it goes back, you know, for four or five years when I um, really did the research for UFOs and what time, and there was just... There's just some things that, were, you know, just didn't quite fit into that book and also Beyond Area 51, so... Yeah, that was in one pile in my office, and then all the stuff, um, different research that I uh, helped with, um, conspiratorium uh, website, um, just things that I that, that I kind of knew. You know, I would put strange newspaper stories away uh, when if they were really odd, and then you know I have lots of books here that I would go through. So, yeah, just just as you, as I said, you know, all of the above really. Uh, you know, we were able to take that and put the book together. Now, in talking about the UFO books, you had mentioned that you didn't, uh, you haven't had any personal UFO experiences uh, that you can uh, really share with us. Obviously, you said in this new book, you've written about ghosts and and other odd things. Any of those? Uh, have you had any of those experiences yourself? Any haunting experiences? Yeah, no, 
you know, I wish it was more exciting, but no. Uh, nothing strange, nothing really, really strange has ever happened to me. Um, but I know people, good friends of mine, people, you know, family members, you know, who have seen things, who have seen UFOs, who have just, you know, seen strange things. Um, I, I, I'm, I, I, I'm coming to the belief that, you know, some people are destined to see UFOs and some people aren't, you know, and, and maybe it's because I'm, I'm looking too hard for a lot of... A lot of people, they have UFO experiences. It just comes out of the blue. You know, they, they were not expecting it. Where I'm always kind of looking for yeah. stuff, I don't think it's ever going to happen to me. Yeah. We have uh, had people on the show that have had not just a UFO experience, but they've kind of run the gamut of paranormal encounters. They've encountered Bigfoot. They've had a UFO experience. They've had hauntings. They've, they're psychic. You know, they've kind of got the whole thing. And I've, I've come to the conclusion that there are people in this world that just have this paranormal magnetism the yes. paranormal events seem to uh be attracted to them and therefore they get all these crazy experiences it's true you know and that's a good term for it you know there are definitely i've had many discussions on just this point there are definitely people out there um that attract these things or are attracted to them or are able for some reason able to see things that you know uh, the rest of us can't um, you know, and and who knows why, but, you know, I, I've talked to them, I, you know, they, they look at it as something kind of cool. Um, it, 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 I envy them. I envy them in a big way, to tell you the truth. And this, the title Haunted Universe, um, they're really stories about haunted, or not haunted per se, but strange things and happenings around the globe. It encompasses the whole world, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yes, for sure. You know, and... Um, yeah, the, the whole idea was funny because, um, you know, I had to come up with the title for the book, and um, I had watched a um, documentary on how, you know, uh, astrophysicists think now that we are just in one universe, one of many, many, uh, an unlimited number of universes, you know, and and um, it almost, and they're all like kind of like bubbles in, in a handful of suds, and they rub up against each other, and maybe that's why paranormal things happen, and I universe and something is dripping over to the universe and they consider that paranormal but but maybe not maybe what I, the idea i got was well how about if in all these other universes everything goes okay there's no ghosts there's no ufos nothing ever goes wrong and we're we're the ones stuck in the haunted universe and if you as i say if you read the book from beginning to end you have to come to the conclusion that you know uh, as i said before strange things happen in this reality all the time you know, people see weird stuff all the time, and we look at it as kind of usual, but wouldn't it be funny if we're the only ones that, are, you know, actually in a universe that has something called the paranormal? It is interesting, and that discussion, um, when we, as we get into quantum physics and quantum theory, and we talk about uh, alternative dimensions and these dimensions uh, rubbing up against each other, and sometimes there are slips between them that are responsible uh, for some of these uh, phenomena that we bring up on programs like this. Um, that's a, it's an interesting concept, and it certainly would offer some explanation for things that up until this point have been unexplained. Um, other than kind of musing on that idea, do you, have you seen anything in what you've written about and researched that might add a little more support to that theory? Well, you know, that's a good question. Um, you know, 
I'm going to say no, you know, because because I'm really just I'm a writer. I'm not, you know, a researcher. I, I really can't call myself a researcher. But the whole, you know, this one thing that flashes back at, to me that makes me think that hey, maybe you know a lot of these things might be connected is uh, someone took a picture in California just only about two years ago. They went out to take a picture of a haunted house. They left their camera up, and, and they took the picture, and sure enough, you can see a, a ghost in the window. It's a barn, actually. But right above it, you can also see a UFO. And, you know, I think, wow, what are the chances that, you know, you're going to get a picture of a UFO and a ghost at the same time? And almost a lot of people have said that, you know, there's a UFO connection to Bigfoot. There's, you know, some kind of a, you know, alien connection to the Loch Ness Monster. It would be funny if they were all part of the same thing. I don't know if that answers your question or not. But well, I don't yeah, know. That, yeah, I don't know that there any there really is an answer to that question because right. uh, we've got a lot more to uncover and discover before we're going to have any of those answers. If you're listening on one of the radio stations carrying the program across the country, drop them a line and tell them you appreciate them carrying the show. And if there's a station in your area that isn't carrying the show and you think they should. Do the same thing. Jump on their website, hit the Contact Us button, and uh, send them a note. Say they should carry Beyond Reality Radio. Because believe it or not, there are a bunch of radio stations that haven't uh, heard of the program yet. You know, That's uh, part of the growth process. Tonight we're talking with Mac Maloney. He is a UFO author. His new book is called Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe. Check out all of his work at uh, MacMaloney.com. Mac, we're talking about the book Haunted Universe. Um you have a lot of really interesting things in this book. I have a few things on a tick list, but certainly, you know, throw in anything that, that stands out to you. But one of the things I know you talk about in the book is uh, the best place in the United States to see a UFO. Where, where would that be? Right. Yeah, there's, there's, there's actually a number of places. Uh, there's a place called Elk River, Minnesota, that for some reason a lot of people see yeah, UFOs. There are UFOs of different kind of shapes and so on. Um, a lot of people see UFOs in the St. Um, Louis Valley um, in in Colorado, but and um, just just really all over. Actually, like I, I believe, like states like Michigan are you know number three or four on the top ten list where you can see UFOs. A lot of times they are near military bases, but um, but if you really want to see a UFO, California, you should go to California because people see them. Uh, more often there than any other state in the country, and 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 most the, most of the UFO sightings are like out over the Pacific, close to the shore. So most of them are actually over the water, right? Yeah, a lot of people see, especially down in Southern California, uh, around Santa Santa Catalina, um, Catalina Islands, I should say. They um, people have been reporting seeing UFOs down there for years, going in and out of the water. You know, that's a whole kind of other study of UFOs that they might actually be. You know, come out of the water or be in, you know under the ocean or whatever. A lot of people do see that happening. So, yeah. In yeah, fact, just, just... there seems to be a whole new uh, discipline in this study. Um, people uh, using the term USO, I believe, which is uh, unidentified submersible object, right. um, because they are seeing a lot of these things going into the water and remaining submerged. Right. Yeah. And people have seen, um, and we had that. In, in, in these series in UFOs in wartime and also beyond Area 51, people have seen things and, uh, you know, just happens to be around the Bermuda Triangle of um, just something under the water moving faster than anything under the water should be moving, if I can, you know, put it that way. The, the U.S. Navy's Area 51 actually is in 
the middle of the Bermuda Triangle. It's a place called Autech. It's on one of the Bahamian islands, and one of the Bahamas. Uh, and um, they do a lot of uh, research down there on our nuclear subs, but they have a lot of um, sensor equipment there, radar and sonar and so on and so forth. The people who have been down there, and once again for years, have seen lots of UFO activity over this place or near this place, and UFOs going in and out of the water. You know, so who knows what's going on, but a lot of it is going on in that particular part of the world, for sure. Now, you had, uh, you've had you already written a book called UFOs in War- Wartime, which you documented the relationship between military conflict and the increase in uh, appearances of these unidentified flying objects. And then you just said that if you're looking for uh, uh, places to see UFOs, they often happen around military installations. Again, that's that connection. What do you think... Whatever it is that's up in those in the sky is doing near our military installations. Well, a lot of what people are seeing near military installations are, you know, what we would call just secret aircraft, top secret aircraft. They fly them all the time out of uh, Area 51 in Nevada and also other places uh, in the Nevada desert. So, you know, there's no doubt that what a lot of people are seeing are, are those things, but. Uh, and the second book that I did, Beyond Area 51, which is just uh, basically you know, a listing of secret bases around the world similar to Area 51, and they're you know, in China, Russia, Great Britain, so on and so forth. All of them have some kind of UFO history attached to them, and um, except one, as it turns out. Uh, there's a very, se- very, very secret base in Nevada about 100 miles north of Area 51 called Tonopah Test Range. And... Um, this is probably our most secret aircraft base. It's out in the middle of nowhere. It's near Tonopah, Nevada, which is a very small town in between Reno and, and Vegas. But the stealth fighter flew out there for 10 years uh, without anyone knowing about it. You know, So you know, whatever they might have happening out there, you, know, you would think is really, very, very top-secret weapons. But oddly enough, the place has like zero UFO history. People just do not see UFOs around this very secret place. But they see them around other different secret places. So that almost just the fact that people don't see UFOs there, you know, almost makes you wonder, well, what's going on there and not at these other places. But yeah, that said, every other secret base we looked into had some kind of UFO history to it, whether what came first, UFOs or the base, you know, it's hard to tell. But yeah, they all have this kind of attachment to them for sure. Uh, we've just got a couple of minutes before our top of the hour break. Um, so I want to change the subject just a little bit. We'll get back into some of the stories that you've included in Haunted Universe uh, on the other side of the break. But um, you've uh, written these three nonfiction books, UFOs in Wartime, Beyond Area 51, and Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe. But you have a whole slew of fiction work to your credit. Mm-hmm. Right. I started just uh, you know way back when writing a uh, series, as I said before, called Wingman. And that's like kind of a post-World War III series. He's a Zen fighter pilot. He's someone who, you know, becomes one with the plane, and he's the best fighter pilot who's ever lived. And where he is stuck in this kind of post-World War III world, he's tra- and the United States has been kind of you know, broken up into all these small little countries by the Russians. He's continuously trying to put America back together again. And um, Book 18 came out last year, which was, uh, you know, uh, really good. It was popular, let's say. And um, once again, he, he, has, he has thrown the Russians out of the United States, and now he's trying to put the United States back together again. That's, that's really been my meat and potatoes over the years. And then I've done other books on chopper ops and uh, pirate hunters. I did a series on uh, the pirate uh, 
U.S. Navy hunting the modern-day pirates, and I think I've written more than 40 books in all, uh, but these, but they're all been fiction except uh, for these three books we've been talking about tonight. And I know I, you probably can't compare the two processes, um, but what do you get more personal satisfaction out of, the fiction or uh, researching and writing nonfiction? Well, it's a lot easier to write fiction, I can tell you that. Wow. You just make it up, you know. You just, <laughs> yeah, but, but you got to be all the other stuff. You have to research you, and you have edit to, and stuff. But, but and, Mac, and you have does, you actually have to be good at making it up, or no one will read it. <laughs> well, you know uh, that comes, you know, uh, with practice. But you know, when you have to, you know, as I say, kind of vet stuff and and you know um, uh, have backup to stories that you put in there and deciding which stories to put in, it it, it it's time consuming. You know, it just is, but. It's also a lot of fun, too, when you're when you're finally at the end of it. Right. We're talking with Mac Maloney about his new book, Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe. Visit Mac's website at macmaloney.com, and uh, you'll see not only the book that we're talking about, but all of Mac's work there, plus more information about the work he's doing. And next week's a bit of a, a, an interesting week. Uh, Thursday night, uh, The Shark, Bruce Markison, will be in for Jason and I. Um, I'm headed to uh, Florida, actually, and uh, I'll be gone the whole following week. So uh, Bruce will be with you all of that following week. Wow. You guys are in for a real treat. He does a great job. Uh, the show's coming up for the rest of this week, however. Tomorrow night, Jason Brown will be with us to talk about the men in black. He's not just going to talk about them. He actually was one. He's going to talk about how they're trained. He's going to talk about time travel. It's all part of the discussion about the Men in Black and tomorrow night's program with Jason Brown. And then Thursday, Todd Standing is going to be with us. This is going to be a great show. It's one we've, uh, we, I guess we've wanted to have for quite some time. Todd made a documentary about Bigfoot, Sasquatch, and it's been a bit controversial. It's very, very fascinating, and if you haven't seen it yet, I recommend you look for it on uh, either Netflix. I saw it on Netflix, so it's, it might still be there. Um, but either way, look around for it. And uh, Todd will be on Thursday night's program to talk about that and his work in investigating. I believe he, if I remember correctly, Todd was suing uh, Canada or the state of California. I, I should I should know this before I start talking about it. But there was a lawsuit involved with some government agency. I don't know if it was the state of California or if it was Canada, whereby he was suing them to recognize Sasquatch as an official uh, species, and I think one that needed to be protect, protected as well. Uh, so we've got a lot to talk about with Todd standing on Thursday night's program. Very, very excited about that. So uh, make sure you tune in. By the way, our phone lines are open at 844-687-7669. If you want to join our discussion tonight with Mac Maloney, we're talking about his book, Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe. Plus, we're talking about some of his other work, included, including uh, UFOs in wartime and beyond Area 51. Fantastic discussion with Mac, and we'll bring Mac back into the show. Mac, um, we uh, you, you mentioned that UFOs in Wartime was your first book. When did you write that one? That was in uh, that came out in 2011, I believe. And then uh, Beyond Beyond Area 51 came out after that. That's right. Yeah, a couple years or uh, yeah. Then uh, it came out two years because uh, well, you know, usually when you when you when you have a book contract like that, they, you know, they want a second book from you. So um, Beyond Era 51 was like the follow-up to UFOs in wartime. And then I wrote a couple other um, fiction books, and then we uh, came back to uh, 
I just came back to doing uh, Haunted Universe and, you know, as I said before, putting all these strange stories together. Um, so over the course of, uh, what, about seven years or so, you've written these three nonfiction books. Um, you've done a lot of research, a lot of investigation into this stuff. And I'm gonna, I want to pick up on the discussion about UFOs and wartime and beyond Area 51 a little bit later in the show. But going back to Haunted Universe, which is a collection of just strange and unusual uh, events, occurrences, phenomena, things uh, throughout the globe. One of the things that you talk about is a conspiracy by aliens to prevent us from conquering space. What's that all about? Well, you know, uh, this is something that's been floating around for for quite a while, and it kind of began with um, the Challenger disaster. But but you know, as far as um, you know, man's space uh, is concerned, but. You know, there have been a number of things. Like, for instance, uh, we just had a um, another Explorer rover land on Mars yesterday. Um, but more than more than fifty percent of uh, you know satellites and, and probes and so on that have been sent to Mars have failed. Um, some of them for reasons that almost are hard to ex- understand. There was one called the Polar Lander, where um, it cost. $3 billion, and it was launched, and by the time it was halfway to Mars, they realized that half of it was actually, uh, you know, done in standard measurements, and half of it was done in millimeters and meters, and and they didn't compute when it came time for the, uh, you know, for this uh, lander to do its thing on Mars. I mean, that, that's almost unbelievable. Wow. That, that kind of a mistake would be, wouldn't be picked up uh, until the thing was halfway to Mars, but there's all kinds of things that, you know, failed launches and... Um, um, just, you know, weird things happening up there that has led some people to say, and we just, you know, kind of detail what some of the stories are that, you know, maybe the aliens are trying to tell us something. Let's jump to our phone lines and bring in a, a listener call. This is Philip in South Carolina. Hey, Philip, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you. Look, uh, two years ago, I was sitting out in a lounge chair in the yard and I heard a. a there was like a 747 jetliner that was making a lot of noise, and I looked up. And lo and behold, behind him, and probably about a 1,000 feet above him, there was a UFO man that was as large as an aircraft carrier. He was huge. And uh, he, he stayed behind that jet for probably about three minutes, and he bared off to the right and took off and disappeared. But this thing was, I mean, huge. It, it, it looked like an aircraft carrier up in the sky, man. Right. Wow. There, there are lots of stories, you know, uh, similar to that, uh, especially um, Hudson Valley sightings of um, the late 70s and 80s where, I mean, literally thousands of people saw these gigantic UFOs flying over, you know, some of them, that was the, that's the description they gave them. They were big as an aircraft carrier. And then out in Phoenix as well, during the Phoenix lights, um, you know, incidents, people saw these enormous things going overhead. And that's why it's interesting because, you know, one thing out of the research that I, I you know, keeps hitting me is that people think that UFOs are trying to hide from us, but they're not. You know, they're, they're seen all the time. People see them all the time. And, and they're not just flying saucers. There's things that people see that are, you know, bigger than aircraft carriers. And, and so many people see them, they all can't be, you know, hoaxes or making them up or, or whatever. You know, something's up there. 
We just don't know what it is. Yeah, and and part of uh, thank you for sharing that with us, Philip. We appreciate the story. Uh, part of the problem with this is um, that these craft, as Philip just described, bigger big as an aircraft carrier. Um, you know, we look at something like that in the sky, and we automatically assume it's not from earth because we haven't seen anything like that before we haven't seen seen anything that big flying and we haven't seen anything maybe that slow or you know making right hand turns in the sky um it's all characteristics that we're just not used to so uh we automatically assume it's it's um you know extraterrestrial sure you know i mean there are reports of um that the military flies a certain kind of blimp and what it is is um if you can imagine it, that the the bottom of the blimp is full of um, electrodes, which perfectly mimic what uh, is going on on uh, you know on top of the blimp, which is the night sky. So they're able to replicate the night sky on the bottom of this blimp. So when one of them flies over you, you can't tell it because when you look up, it just looks like the night sky, but it's actually almost like a little bit of a movie playing, a special effect playing as it's going over your head now. As as crazy as that sounds, people you know swear that that the military has these things, so they're basically invisible. But if one of if something goes wrong, or they're taking off a landing, or people see these things, they're supposed to be enormous. I can see people saying, "Wow, that's the size of an aircraft carrier up there." But you know, they, they, the military does fly some very very unusual things. Uh, but then on the other hand, people see these enormous UFOs doing things that that nothing on this earth could do. You know, as you say taking direct turns and flying in a way that you know, is kind of against the laws of aerodynamics. We have uh, a lot of people who have seen things, as Philip described, and we have a lot of people who have seen other phenomena in the sky that they can't explain. And as we said in the beginning of this program, just in case you're tuning in to us uh, late, um, the the word unidentified is key here. We don't know what they are, do we, Mac? We, we, uh, you know, we just simply don't know the answer to a lot of this stuff. Right. I don't think so. You know, I hope we do. I hope we find out, you know, let's say in all our lifetimes, you know, it seems like we're getting closer. But as you said before, you know, every time people see something here, that doesn't mean it's little green men from Mars. Um, One thing about, another thing I should say about UFOs in wartime was the thing that we kept coming back to is that, you know, people would see, especially during World War II, the Foo Fighters and so on, People would see these UFOs, but they weren't doing anything but just observing what was going on. As I said before, watching us as we kind of, you know, uh, at battle, at odds with each other. And um, it really gives you this impression that they're watching us, That, that and, and I'm not the first one to say this, but maybe they're time tourists. Maybe in our far future we've discovered time travel and people coming back to see history being made. And, um, you know, maybe it's something along those lines. It's as good a shot as... Yeah, as I said, little green men from Mars, you know. So again, we're talking about Mac's book, uh, Haunted Universe, Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe. We've also been touching on a couple of the other books he's written, including UFOs and Wartime and Beyond Area 51. Mac, back to the Haunted Universe book um, and some of the interesting things you talk about there. You said there's uh, like 250 or so stories in it. And one of the things that you touch on is King Kong. Uh, was King Kong real? Well, there's, there was a... Um you know, and, and millions of years ago, that was almost quite the size of King Kong. It was just like literally an enormous uh, ape. And 
And, um, you know, whether that actually, you know, is known by the people who wrote the movie King Kong or whatever. King Kong was like the first monster movie, really, and he was the first monster. Right. Um, so maybe somewhere, you know, while they were um, researching it, they came upon this uh, this creature. But, yeah, it was a long, long time ago, there was something that was almost the size of King Kong, Roman Mira. Our guest tonight, Mac Maloney. We're in the middle of talking about his book, Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe. Uh, you can talk about the Earth, you can talk about the universe, Mac, but I've got to tell you, your accent gives away where you're from. You, you grew up in Boston? Oh, you can tell, yes. Yep. <laughs> yes, I did. Uh, do you still live in the Boston area? Uh, yes, yep, we do. We, we live uh, a little bit north of, uh, of Boston, um, right, on, right on the beach, as it turns out. Oh, very nice, yeah. Yeah, it is nice. So are you, uh, are you already sick of winter, even though we haven't got, even gotten out of autumn yet, like we are in upstate New York? Well, that's... Um... Yeah, that's what's going on here. Uh, someone said the other day that of, I don't know, of um, 28 days in November here, it, it's rained like 26 of them or something. Yeah, in October was the same way. We just had constant rain for October. Uh, it's I, I don't remember a wetter, colder uh, autumn, if you, right. you can even say it's autumn, although the calendar says it is, um, right, yeah. in, you know, before. So it's been a very, very unusual year. Um Let's let's talk about uh, places that most people don't even know exist that you talk about in the book. What what are we talking about here? Well, um, there's one place that uh, one of my favorites is. Um, well, there, there was there was actually a village in in England that you know didn't exist, literally didn't exist. Um, it was on Google Maps for a while. Uh, it was on you know just different other kinds of maps. It had its own kind of postal code. It had its own newspaper, and so on. And then um, suddenly, uh, people found out that if you went to you know its coordinates, that it was just like one big empty field. This is right in the middle of England. So, um, and then all of a sudden, it would it vanished from Google Maps and so on, and, and basically from the internet. So, exactly what that was about, you know, no one really knows. Uh, you know, it, it seems like some kind of a you know, an intelligence plot, or to, you know, maybe someone had to create a, a, a completely fictional village. I don't know, but uh, that actually happened. But one thing that, you know, that one of the, my favorite stories in the books is this place called the M Triangle in um, in Russia near the Ural Mountains in Russia, and it's just one of these places. It's just as vast. I think it's 40 square miles of a really kind of rugged uh, terrain. It's out in the middle of nowhere. And um, just strange things happened there, and uh, the Soviet government wouldn't let people in there, um, wouldn't let journalists or scientists in there. But when things kind of thawed a little bit, they, uh, the Russian government did let people in there, and just strange things happened there. People see ghosts all the time. They see UFOs all the time. Uh, the animals come right up and eat out of your hand. They have no fear of people. And just all kinds of odd stuff happens there, and, and people... Kind of have a they 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 don't go out they don't come out the same way they went in they they feel like they have a different perspective on life so a very strange place the M Triangle right in, oh. at the Ural Mountains in Russia it is interesting let's see if we can squeeze another phone call in here before our next break this is Bob from New York hey Bob welcome to the show uh, good evening good morning well, good morning what's <laughs> <laughs> on your mind Hi. Uh, yes I wanted to make a comment about uh, something your uh, your guest said about. Uh, the first monster movie, King Kong. I believe he said King Kong. Yeah, well, 
Uh, King Kong was not the first monster okay. movie. Yeah, what was it? <laughs> Frank, Frankenstein predated King Kong by two years. I, yeah, I think. I and, think the point. I think that. I think what. Uh, and I'll, I'll let you speak for yourself, Mac. But I think as far as like creature, like uh, you know, King, uh, Dracula and Frankenstein were both both preceded King Kong, but they were human yeah. form as opposed to maybe some big uh, animal type creature monster. Right. I'm like, oh, yeah, I see what you mean. Okay. I think that may okay. have been the point. But thank you for for pointing that out bob we appreciate the phone call okay okay thank you very much and i happen to love all of those i think that's the point point you were trying to make right it was the first like monster in the sense of a non-humanoid type creature right yeah a creature a big creature and and it's still a great movie you go back and watch and you realize you know that was all stop action motion is just amazing yeah it's a it's a fantastic movie i i watch it uh, whenever it happens to come on like turner classic movies and my kids roll their eyes because they can't stand anything in black and white which i don't get because i think some of the best movies are in black and white yeah i agree anyway all right so we got to go to break here when we come back we'll take more of your phone calls at 844-687-7669 and we'll continue our conversation with mac maloney about his book mac maloney's haunted universe it's all part of our discussion here on beyond reality radio i'm jv johnson don't go away welcome back to the show it's beyond reality radio i'm jv johnson our guest tonight mac maloney phone number is 844-687-7669 if you'd like to join our discussion uh we uh love to have your input you share your stories with us whatever it happens to be um we love to take your phone calls but uh mac i want to continue talking about the things included in your book mac maloney's haunted universe because it really is just an amazing and fascinating collection of strange tales experiences and stories and uh, i know there's some stories about ghost planes and ghost ships talk to us a little bit about that mm-hmm. well um there are numbers of uh, there are really a lot of ghost ship stories that go back um you know go way way back and and they they're some are as simple as um there was a ship that was um got caught in the ice up off of Alaska in the 1920s and it was kind of a new ship and uh it was abandoned uh, by its crew and they got off safely by walking over the ice but then the ice broke up and this thing you know floated around on the Pacific for almost 40 years and people would see it, and no one really knew what to do with it. And um, finally, I think it was sunk by the U.S. Coast Guard. But, you know, that's like one kind of ghost ship. And then uh, there's another where um, uh, people uh, see, uh, back in the 1840s, I think it was, a riverboat uh, caught on fire on a tributary off the Mississippi, and uh, there was a, um, a, a, a tragic loss of life. A lot of people died in it. And uh, people to this day swear they they still see this thing coming around the bend and hearing the music and and so on and um so for some reason and then there's other ghost ship uh, situ- uh, stories we have in there where you know fishing ships were just went out never heard from again yet you know people could, were still making um uh, people would go on to their ships there'd be knowing no one on the ship uh even sometimes food still on the plate on the table no crew yet uh, people were making phone calls on their cell phones, from the crew's cell phones, up to weeks later. So, just kind of creepy things like that. The uh, the best, real quick, the best ghost plane story is um, that um, um, back in the um, 80s, uh, over John Wayne Airport in Los Angeles, uh, this strange airplane showed up and started doing uh, kind of acrobatic acts over uh, the airport. And because it was Sunday, it actually broke the noise restrictions, and people saw its tail number in that generated an automatic computer warning to the people who own the plane, stop making noise with the plane. It turned out it belonged to Deke Slayton, one of the astronauts, and he had died four hours before. 
Ooh. and his plane was in a um, in a hangar in Las Vegas, and they got a um, the guy who owned it said this plane has not left this hangar since I bought it from Deke years ago, but yet. So many people saw this particular plane over John Wayne Airport that they were able to write down the numbers to it and that his widow actually got a noise complaint. So no one could ever explain it, but that's my favorite ghost plane story. Wow, that's fascinating. And I want to go back to the ghost ship stories that you touched on. Um, the, the idea of a ship leaving port with a full crew, spending some time at sea, and then when it's discovered... The crew is completely gone without a trace, yet things like personal effects or, like you said, food still on the ship. Um, those might be the creepiest stories uh, of all when it comes to some of this stuff. At least for me, those things really creep me out. Right, yeah, same here. You know, the Mary Celeste is a very famous story. That That's actually what happened. There was a like a schooner back in the uh, 1800s where... Uh, they were moving uh, cargo from the United States to Portugal and um, kind of a well-to-do family. There was, I think, about 10 people on board with crew and so on. And then, you know, they lost touch with them, and uh, people saw the Mary Celeste just floating aimlessly out near the Azores, went on board, and everything was, you know, ship-shaped, literally. You know, everything worked. There was no danger of fire or anything, food on the plates, but no people, and they never found the people. And, um, you know, and there, there are a number of stories like that where they've just found literally ghost ships where everything looks good except there's no crew on board anymore. I want to turn the topic, because we're going to run out of time here, to your book, Beyond Area 51. Tell us about that book. Well, it was kind of this idea that um, Area 51 is, let's face it, it's the most well-known top-secret base in the world, right? Everyone knows about it. There's been movies, books, TV <laughs> shows, the, the comic books, you know, done about it. So we wanted to do a book that was you know, like Area 50, you know, secret bases like Area 51 around the world that people might not have heard of as much as Area 51. So, so that's what it is. You know, we talk about some here in the United States, Tonopah, you know, which I talked about earlier, and um, um, and then uh, places over in uh, England. You know, that that England actually has its own kind of small um, Area 51. We have a hunt for that, like, and it turns out it might be in a place called Redlow Manor. Uh, which they used to build Spitfires in World War II down in the subterranean factory. They're kind of a cool place. In Russia, a place called Kapustinya, which is like a combination of Area 51 and Cape Canaveral. Lots of UFO activity um, around there over the years. Uh, so uh, that's what it's like. It's just secret bases you might not have heard of. And when you say uh, secret bases, we're not talking just about places that may have had some kind of UFO or alien connection. This is just things that um, governments may be hiding from us, even though we might have a sense they're there? Well, you know, that's that's one thing. Like for, for Kapustinya, this place in Russia, for instance, um, you know, there, there were just documented, you know, instances where Russian jet fighters, you know, were in dogfights with quote-unquote UFOs. And, uh, you know, if you read the reports, you, 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 they're using UFO. It might be, who knows, it might be, you know, secret American airplanes that were doing this or whatever. It was just unknown aircraft. But just long, long history of these things happening over this place, Kapustin Yaren, and also places in in China and uh, India. And, uh, they, and, and as I said before, other than Tonopah, Nevada, all of them have some kind of UFO connection. You know, some some of them are pretty strong too. Um, and and you, and you have to wonder why. You know why? 
When it comes to Area 51, that, uh, you know, you said it best, it's the best known secret base on the planet, I'm sure. Um, what do you think is going on there? I mean, there's two sides to this story, or this argument as well. Well, you know, we, we've, um, I've talked to people who have been there and, um, you know, and who have flown in and out of there. And, and really what's going on there is they're, t- they're, they're testing our top secret aircraft, um, you know, things along the line of the, um, the B-2 bomber and so on. Um, you know, every, for every nine or ten prototypes that they actually build out there and test, only one of them actually, you know, comes to public, uh, comes to the, to the light of day, um, as I said, the B-2 or things like that. But that's what's going on out there. They just are testing out all kinds of different exotic kinds of aircraft, very fast aircraft now. You know, it looks like they have some kind of hypersonic airplane out there which can go above 5,000 or 6,000 miles an hour, um, things along those uh, lines. That's what happens in Area 51. I don't believe they have crashed UFOs there there or anyplace else, but yeah, basically it's just a very top-secret place to fly aircraft the hours and hours that are needed to, you know, to, to make sure it works right. And what do you get about uh, in terms of uh, the secret airline that is supposed to be shuttling people from Las Vegas into Area 51? I think right, it's called yeah. Janus. The, yeah, the Janet Airlines. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's, it's, it leaves from McCarran Airport um, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And um, what it is is a lot of people who work at Area 51 you know, live in the Vegas area. So they, um, they, it's, it's run by the CIA. And it it drops them off at Area 51 on Mondays, brings it back on Fridays, and then it shuttles back and forth during the week. But it also has several other drops in the Nevada desert uh, that that is you know just shuttling people back and forth. Um, they're, they're pretty open about it. If you go to McLaren Airport, you'll land at Vegas. Just kind of look off to the north, and you'll see these small jets, and they have um, bright red tails. And that's the that's the CIA shuttle service out to Area 51. And other places. Interesting, um, Mac. What's what's next on your docket? I'm sure. I mean, given the number of books you've already written, I'm sure you're never sitting still. You're probably working on a few with, uh, as we speak. Um, yeah, right now we're uh, working on uh, Wingman 19, the series that I um, mentioned before, and then um, that hopefully will come out sometime in uh, May of 2019. And then I go right to work on Wingman uh, 20, which uh, hopefully will come out. Um, in uh, 2020, in time for the new Top Gun movie, I guess, is coming out that summer, too. So hopefully we can coordinate that. And, um, yeah, that's what will be keeping me busy for the next few months anyway. Um, I want to ask this, and we might have time for a couple more questions after this, but uh, when you look at uh, Haunted Universe, what is maybe your favorite entry in the book, if we haven't covered it already? Wow. You know, it, it's funny because you kind of get to... You get to like all of them in a way, you know. I'll, I'll tell you the one to me that just is the most chilling is in, um, I think we call it the Haunted Battlefield. In World War One. you know, it was just this, this awful war going back and forth. Lots of people getting killed for no reason. Trench warfare and mud. And there was a uh, battle in, off a small, near a small village in um, in Belgium that went on for three months. And, and there was so much artillery bombardment that they actually counted on the aerial photographs more than a million craters within a mile. And that's... Yeah, that's a lot of artillery craters. Well, anyway, it was a very rainy summer. It turned it turned up the earth into mud, and people and the mud was in some cases twenty feet deep, and and people would just disappear into it. Soldiers would just disappear into the mud, never to be seen again. 
thousands and thousands of them died this way. And uh, when the battle was over, five, almost a million people, a half a million people had been killed, and 100,000 of them were never identified and, you know, never found. So to me, that's that's the one that really kind of gives me the creeps for some reason. Did you, Was that Verdun by any chance? No, no, it was a place, uh, you know, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the, okay. the name of the uh, village, uh, but it was right along that front, you know, right along yeah. that front. Where well, and the reason I asked about Verdun is I've actually visited the, the Verdun battlefield, and it mm-hmm. still looks like the surface of the moon mm-hmm. with all the craters. It is unbelievable um, right. that the Earth still looks like that. Now, it is a, a, a you know, a, a national, uh, a French national park, if you will, or protected area, so it's never going to change. It's going to stay like that. But I know exactly what you're talking about. Those um, those artillery um, bombardments during World War One were incessant. They would fire a million shells over the course of several months. And right. uh, it's something we can't it, it, even... It was all just this awful, you know, Once on one hand, it's trench warfare where everyone just kind of stopped in place and then shot yeah. at each other for about four years. But it was also... The advent of a lot of really bad news weapons, like you know, continuously firing machine guns and poison gas and all kinds of huge artillery, and 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 just so many people just like you know died uh, died for nothing when you really think about it, you know. So it's a really tragic war. It's kind of overshadowed by World War Two, but anything in World War One, a lot of just a lot of misery. Yeah, you're a- you're absolutely right. There were a couple things at play there. It was the first real war after the Industrial Revolution. So all these technologies. Uh, were put into play, and the uh, tactics and the military strategy strategies hadn't caught up to that. Right. So therefore, yep. they were just throwing you know tens of thousands of bodies into gunfire that were just being slaughtered. It was it was quite an incredible uh, and story. The first war with airplanes. Still, yeah, and you know, the first so. war with airplanes. That's right. Yeah. Now, is there any such thing as Foo Fighters, uh, the equivalent in World War One? Uh, not really. You know, there's a couple stories in there that we just we had to put in there, uh, you know, because they're just too good to leave out. You know, one of them where uh, there's a report that the um, Red Baron actually, you know, had an encounter with a UFO. There's a lot of interesting things called the scare ships right before World War One. People in England saw these enormous Zeppelin-shaped things. They weren't German Zeppelins because German Zeppelins weren't that advanced in 1909. But people saw them going like 200, 300 miles an hour, these enormous airships called the scare ships and uh, a lot of interesting stuff happening right around that time and right after world war one too very fascinating stuff so um you said you're working on uh wingman 19 and i uh, any other non-fiction stuff uh showing up on on your radar things that you yep. want to write uh, about yeah uh, probably not because as i said before it just takes a lot of work to yeah. do it you know and, <laughs> Well, we I don't want to say I'm lazy, but yeah. <laughs> well, we appreciate you doing it uh, for our benefit anyway. And uh, like I said, if anybody wants to check out um, Mac's books, go to MacMaloney.com. Mac, is there any other spot you'd send people to find out more information about the books or your work? That's really the best place, you know, uh, Mac Maloney's, um, MacMaloney.com. And um, uh, if I can give a quick plug to my radio show, Mac Maloney's Milter Exile Show, or an internet radio show, we're all over the, uh, the internet. So, um, um, you know, we know what, what you do, J.V. Yeah, what, what was the name of the show again? Uh, Mac Maloney's Military X-Files. You know, we just talk about, you know, what the, um, the military and the paranormal, like kind of what we've been talking about tonight. What do they know? How do they get involved? And so on. And, and where can people find that? Is that also linked off of your website? Yeah, that's on the website, yep. Very nice. All right. Well, hey, Mac, thanks for being with me tonight. I appreciate your time and your insight. It's been a great conversation. Thank you, JV. I really appreciate it.
appreciate it. Thank you. Ever wish your wishes could come true? Well, now they can with the Wish It HD. Grabco's Wish It HD. I was in the ER and had my eye on this hot nurse in scrubs. Glad I had my Wish It HD along for the ride. Hey there, big boy. Time for a sponge bath. Now I'm getting scrubbed. Thank you, Wish It HD. Grabco's Wish It HD. The Wish It HD uses the latest in new technology to harness the power of the ethereal planes and grant your wish, not just in normal D, but in the latest high-quality HD. I needed money and fast, so I just used my Wish It HD. Here's your 337 and Chase. Thanks for reading Burger Town. Thank you, Wish It HD. Crabco's Wish It HD. The Crabco Wish It HD, guaranteed to grant your wish in stunning HD. Another amazing product by Crabco. The Crabco Wish It HD is not guaranteed to grant any wish. Why sound like this? Hey, good looking. When you can sound like this. Hey, good looking. Crabco presents. It's the Crabco Cardboard Tube. It makes any voice sound like a professional voice. Kids, it's time to come in for dinner. The Crabco Cardboard Tube. The Crabco Cardboard Tube uses the latest in cardboard technology combined with science. Science. To change any normal speaking voice into one that commands attention. It's great for corporate board meetings. And our sales have been up for the whole last quarter. As a pet calling device. Here, Muffy Muffy. Difficult breakups. I've tried for months. I've cried for months. I just can't any longer. For that important political stump speech. I never had sex with that woman, Miss Lewinsky, or any woman. While handling kiln-fired ceramics. Kiln-fired ceramics. <laughs> Don't forget those intimate moments. Hey, baby, what do you think of my cardboard tube? <laughs> the Crapco Cardboard Tube. As an optional add-on, order the hands-free neck mounting device for that extra convenience. The Crapco Cardboard Tube. The Crapco Cardboard Tube is made of premium quality recycled-use cardboard and has been rigorously tested in the lavatory. I mean laboratory. And this can all be yours at one low price of $29.99 or $49.99 with mounting device. The Crapco Cardboard Tube does not require batteries and may or may not have been recycled after being used to hold bathroom tissue. All right, well, that's going to do it for tonight. Thank you to Mac Maloney for uh, being with us. Make sure you stop by his website, macmaloney.com. Don't forget, we've got some great shows coming up tomorrow night. It's all about the men in black with one of the men in black. Jason Brown will be with us. And then Thursday, Todd Standing will be with us to talk about his research into Bigfoot and Sasquatch. And that is going to be a great program as well. So join us uh, both nights tomorrow night and Thursday. And, of course, Friday will be a best-of program, as it is every Friday here on Beyond Reality Radio. Have a great night, and we'll see you tomorrow night. Beyond Reality Radio is hosted by Jason Hawes and J.V. Johnson and produced by Alexandria Johnson and Slick Eddie Edwards for Intercom Radio. Beyond Reality Radio is distributed by Westwood One Radio Networks. Stop by our Facebook page and say hello. Follow the hosts on Facebook as well. For Jason Hawes, follow at JasonHawes.taps. For J.V. Johnson, follow at JVJParanormal. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Radio or you have a suggestion for a guest, contact Slick Eddie Edwards at SlickEddieEdwards at gmail.com. Be sure to visit our chat room as well at beyondrealityradio.com. Thanks for listening.